Hello and welcome to the first episode of the brand new Flight Radar 24 podcast. My name is Ian Pechnik and I'm here with my co-host Jason Rabinowitz. Jason, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Airline Flyer on Twitter. You might remember me from other sites like Airline Reporter, RunwayGirlNetwork.com, Airways News, and NYC Aviation. And I am the communications person for Flight Radar 24. You may remember me from the live videos that we've done, like the live tour of the Cathay Pacific 747 at Oshkosh last summer, and some of the plane spotting videos like the ones we've done with the AN-124 or the ANA BB-8777 when it landed in Chicago for the first time. So what we're going to do with this podcast is basically talk about aviation and talk about it in a conversational manner, not worry about, you know, we're not doing the news. We're not just going to talk about Flight Radar 24. We're going to talk about things that avgeeks want to talk about because that's who Jason and I are. Jason lives a stone's throw from JFK Airport. My home airport is Chicago O'Hare and aviation runs in our blood, and we just want to talk about it a little bit more. So we're going to take the time to sit down and and talk every couple weeks, and we'll have a new episode every other week for you, and we'll bring on some guests as needed and as it interests us to talk about aviation and do those sorts of things just in a, a fun conversational manner. But we also want to hear from you. We've set up podcast at fr24.com so you can get a hold of us and tell us what you want to hear. What do you want to talk about? And what do you want to listen to? We want to know what you want out of this podcast. And so with that good news, we turn to some other good news, which is that the Maho Beach Cam is back up at St. Martin. That was a terrible, horrifying couple of weeks without it. It was rough. We saw the news from the owner PTZ TV, which operates, I think, hundreds of cams uh, around the world that are mostly focused on cruise ships. But they've started doing some of the the airport cams, and that lasted a few months from PTZ TV at St. Martin. And then we got this terrible news that they were shutting it down, and they said, we're going to try and get it back up, but we didn't know when it was going to come back, and we didn't know if it was going to come back. Well, it's back. It's back. And they moved it from the beach a little, and so now it's basically right along the runway. Yeah, it's alongside of the runway, right about where the threshold is for just before where aircraft typically touch down. It's a very different perspective than what we're used to, which is right over the beach where you can typically see people riding the fence, as they call it. So it, it's not quite as perfect as it used to be, but it's still pretty great. I mean, any high def cam where I can also listen to the air traffic control and ambient noise so you can actually hear the aircraft is, I'll take that. Yeah, it's pretty great. Right now, I have it up, actually, and there's a KLM A330 taxiing out to the runway now. It's not the 747 it used to be. Those are gone from St. Martin, but there's definitely some interesting stuff that pops in unscheduled at St. Martin every day. You get those random converted MD-80s and old 727s every once in a while, which is pretty neat. One time recently, I think I saw an Azal A340-500 there. Of all places, they're from Azerbaijan, and they were all the way out in St. Martin. So you really never know what's going to pop in there. Well, they must be avgeeks. I mean, of course. That's the, that's the only explanation. <laughs> Naturally. The other nice thing about the camera coming back on is that our receiver, which is hosted by PTZ TV, is back up. So we've got more coverage there once again and we're getting closer to getting closer to having MLAT in the area which will be nice to pick up some of the the lower flying 
older transponder equipped planes that, that we can't see right now because we don't have very good MLAT coverage in the area. Yeah, it's amazing how much little little commuter turboprops and props come in out of St. Martin every day, going up to St. Bart's all the time, or the Saba Beef Island <laughs> is one of the destinations, but there's a lot of little traffic. Yeah, so hopefully with some more receivers, we'll end up with MLAC coverage, and so we'll be able to track those a lot easier. One of the other new receivers that we put up in February ended up in northern Greenland on the west coast this month. January, we put one on the east coast, and this month it was on the west coast. So now we're we're getting closer to having full coverage over over Greenland, which is which is nice for the transatlantic flights that are coming over between Europe and North America. Where exactly do you put those things? Do people actually live up there? People actually live up there or they're they are research stations mm. a lot of times. Or they're managed by the airport authority. So, so it's Kind of like how the receiver is down in Antarctica, down at the research station. Yeah, very similar to the Antarctic receiver. So for those who don't know, at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, we installed a new receiver at the Troll Research Station. Yes, it's actually called the Troll Research I Station. I love that name. It's a great name. And, and people don't believe me when I tell them that that's what the actual name is. And it's run by a Norwegian consortium for atmospheric research. And so what they did is they wanted a receiver so that they could track the incoming flight that supplies the research station so that they could be ready for it. Since and they're a wee bit out of radar coverage down there. It's Yeah, it's not, not very close to, to normal radar coverage. So when they send the flight out of Cape Town, they wanted some, some way to, to know when the flight was going to be there before it got too close where they could you know, be properly prepared for it to arrive. So now they've got a receiver down there, and, and it's great that we're able to, to show flights near the, the research station and, and watch them land on the, the ice blue runway, which is nice. Now we have, we have ground coverage at an airport in Antarctica. So I guess my attic isn't the most interesting receiver anymore these days. Not by a long shot. Not anymore. That's a shame. Which, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But the receivers will be nice up in, in northern Greenland, and it'll be nice to have them elsewhere. Yeah, I actually have a transatlantic flight tomorrow, JFK to Dublin, and it has Wi-Fi. So I'll be checking in on my flight, seeing maybe if I ping that receiver. You never know. I hope so. Between JFK and Dublin, there, there's a very good chance that your flight will be in full coverage. Well, hopefully I'll actually be asleep and I'll never know. Well, somebody will know. And that's the important thing. It may just be you. <laughs> it might just be me. That's true. Following the entire flight. Naturally. So that's not a very long flight. That's only, what, five hours? It's blocked at six and a half. Six and a half. Getting out of JFK could easily be an hour of that. But yeah, it's only maybe five hours flight time. So five hours flight time to cross an ocean versus 18 going one way, 16 and a half coming the other with Qatar and and Emirates between Dubai, Doha, and, and Auckland. Emirates celebrated a year of their Dubai Auckland flight this month, and Qatar has a month under its belt of their, which is now the world's longest flight between Doha and Auckland. And I mean, just thinking about that kind of makes me sore. Yeah, that's a long flight. I've been on some pretty long flights, Shanghai to New York, Seattle, nonstop to Doha. And once you get to about hour 12 or 13, it doesn't matter if you're in business class or first class or suite class, whatever they have these days, you want off the plane. I can't imagine being on a plane for upwards of 17 hours in some cases. Yeah, I 
I don't have any desire to take one of these. Fly- I mean, as as somebody who wants to, you know, I guess put feathers in a cap or something, I would love to fly one of these once. But that leaves me stuck there and having to fly back, which scares me. Yeah, maybe take a take a boat because that wouldn't take long at all. No, no, probably much quicker. But yeah, these flights are getting increasingly ridiculously long, and in economy these days isn't getting much better seat pitch wise or seat width wise. So fifteen. I mean, by the time you add in time of boarding and getting to the actually getting to the runway and getting to the gate, it's 17, 18 hours on these planes. And that's impressive if you can take it. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, how many people are you back there with on the A380? I mean, that's, you know, three, 400 of your closest friends. And maybe you can buy up to business class and, and hang out at the bar for a couple hours. It's like a flying city. Want, Pretty much. Around. And Malaysian wants to turn their A380s into all economy airliners, which hold over 800 passengers. That's a lot of your closest friends. That's not something I'm looking forward to. No, no, thank you. It would be interesting to see how that ended up working out for entire flights. Yeah, that's that's a lot of people. So other new stuff we saw this week was the first 737-700 freighter was converted from an Alaska airline plane to another Alaska airline plane. (laughs) They're replacing their their 737-400 combi aircraft on the Milk Run and the Salmon Run. You haven't flown the Milk Run or you have? I have not flown the Milk Run. I have flown a 747 combi, but not a 734 combi. Okay. So the, the Milk Run, for anyone who doesn't know, is Alaska Airlines flies supply short supply routes. I mean, Jason, they, they get, you know... How far between it? It's a 10-minute flight maybe for some of Some of these flights could be as short as just a couple miles, maybe 10 minutes to hopping over a river or a lake. Some of these flights are really – they don't even get up to 1,000 feet. It's kind of amazing. And so what they do is they end up flying these these supply runs because there are no roads to to get supplies to people up in Alaska. And so they end up flying, you know, from point to point to point to point in between Juneau. Is it Seattle or – I think they have two. One works its way up from Seattle up to Anchorage along that along the coasts between the ocean and Canada. And I think there's there are many of these milk runs up in actual mainland Alaska that not just Alaska Air serves, but some of the smaller little single engine, twin engine turboprop airlines fly. Right, right. So instead of keeping these seven three seven four hundreds around for much longer they're doing, a, I think, a one-to-one replacement with the new 737-700, and it's a pure freighter. Yeah, the so, combis are a dying breed. So it's, you know, Alaska's replacing their 737 combis. KLM's retiring their 747 combis. Air China had some 747 combis. I think they're gone, too. And did Eva have any? Eva did, but I think they are on the they're way gone out, too. too. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're looking to retire most of their 747 fleet pretty soon. Yeah, their dedicated freighter fleet, the 74s, are on the way out too. It's a yeah. sad state of affairs for 747s in general. I guess this year flying, alone, flying while you can. Yeah, this year alone, we're going to see the retirement of every United and Delta 747 in the fleet. So if you're a 74 fan, go now. Don't wait. Go. Yeah, especially the, the 400. The Dash 8, you've got some time, but who knows how much longer. Yeah, you're only going to find the Dash 8s on three airlines anyway. So those are hard enough to find as it is. Yeah. Fly through Germany, fly through China, or fly through Korea, and and those are your options. 
Yep. And I think all three of them come to my home airport. Lucky me. That is lucky you. We were supposed to get the, the Korean air in, at O'Hare in Chicago, but that never worked out. I think we get that in summer when they go up to two a day. We get one A380 and one 748i, which is a nice way to be. We're still sitting here begging for our first regular 380 service. So that's... Well, you broke your first one. so we. It was an honest mistake. You broke an A380. O'Hare well, doesn't deserve another one. Well, it to be fair, it was an incident with the jet bridge, and it was just a scratch, and they were able to fly home without any problems. So, you had one job, one try. The person did have one job, and well, a, a test failed. I guess I'm just saying Boston had their shot, and they they didn't break anything. Well, maybe we'll get another chance. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Speaking of JFK, your airport's shutting down, or at least the best Not the runway. whole thing, I hope. Not the whole thing, but the, the best runway. Just the just is, a good, you know, big causing chunk headaches. Of it. Yeah. Every now and then, every couple of years, they, the Port Authority undergoes a major, major runway rehabilitation project. And this time, it is runway 22 left, 4 right, which is one of the main runways. I think it handles over a quarter of all all traffic. I think more than that, even since we have four runways. But the 22 left, 4 right is shut down 24-7 from a couple days ago all the way till June 1st, I think. So it is a major, major pain. So, I mean, does that, does it reduce the number of aircraft the airport can serve or is it just delays? No yeah, what. it reduces the overall number of aircraft that can flow through the airport. Typically, they like to operate two and a half to three runways at any given time. They can run both 22s and half of 31 left because it's one of the longest runways in the world. They can just use half of it, and still pretty much anything can take off from there. But now, without that that 22 left, 4 right, it's reducing the number of aircraft that can move through there. I'm actually supposed to pick up someone today from JFK, and their flight is an hour and a half late due to traffic restrictions the FAA has put in. And Otherwise, the weather is perfect, but they just can't operate to the normal level of movement. That sounds less than fun, I think, is the, the technical term. For it. Yeah. In the wrong wind conditions, they can get down to only one runway. If it's straight out of the north or south, they'll be just limited to one runway. And it's happened already a couple times in the, in the past week, and air traffic just gets completely messed up. Diversions, our airborne holding, it gets messy, and this is going to be the new normal for a good chunk of the year. And when is it done? Well, the first phase of the 24-7 outage is done in June 1st, I think. Then all summer, it's closed overnight hours. And then starting up again in September, it's closed again 24-7 until November. So maybe by maybe by Christmas time, we'll have all four runways. And then, you know, another year or two, we'll close another runway down. And it'll all start over again. So I guess the word of caution is if you're flying to New York... You've got no good options? Just don't for, avoid us for the entirely. next couple months. You don't want to fly to JFK. LaGuardia is self-explanatory. You don't want to do that. And Newark is Newark. Newark is Newark. Truer yeah. words. Truer yeah. words. That's the best I can do. <laughs> Maybe fly, if you're desperate, fly to Islip or Stewart or, or Westchester or something. Just avoid, you know, our main three major airports. So Air Canada got a new livery. They sure did. And it has been variously described as clean and modern, a sleek raccoon, a loon, <laughs> and 
other things that that we won't mention. So less I, kind words. Less kind words have been used. Yes, which and, is which is fascinating since Canada is such a kind country. Well, I mean, the, I guess strong opinions will lead to to less kind words. I still don't see why they went for a new livery. I like their old one. Yeah, I did too. I, I didn't. On the list of airlines that I was thinking off the top of my head should get a new livery, Air Canada was, wasn't even on the list. No, I kind of like that off-white, toothpaste minty color. Yeah, what's wrong with clean teeth? I don't know. I, I liked it. And I'm not crazy about the new one. I think it looks a lot like Delta's livery, and I know a lot of people agree with me. Yeah. But I do love that eyeshadow or eye mask, the... Airbus A330 Neo style, the 350 style eye mask. It's, it's, I like it. And they seem to have a, a decent reason for why they picked it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that, that I can see where they're coming from. It seems like a lot of work went into it and it maybe wasn't necessary. Yeah, and they didn't overhaul the entire brand or image of the airline. It was just the livery. And uh, I don't know. It seems like change for the sake of change. Yeah. So... Air Canada maybe needed one, maybe didn't need one. Who needs one? China Eastern, I mean, they're already rocking a new livery, but it is not a good new livery. Can we call it a livery? Mm, half of a livery, maybe? Quarter? It really seems like they forgot. Halfway through painting the plane, they forgot to finish. They went into Microsoft Paint, they clicked a few colors, white came out, and they, they said, okay, print it. Yeah. Yeah, for anyone who isn't familiar with the Chinese Eastern livery, it's it's a white plane with a logo on the tail and the words China Eastern on the fuselage. Uh, Go to Jet it. Photos and look up some pictures of this. Yeah, thing. and and we'll have some in the show notes so that you can you can take a look. I think that Air France might be a good candidate for for kind of a refresh. Yeah, not a full on new livery, but maybe a refresh. It's there's a lot of white on those planes, and yeah. the tail is a classic, but the bulk of the plane, I think, could use maybe some minor tweaks. I like the the titles that they put on the, the 777 cargo. Yeah. They're, they're bigger titles, and they have that nice silver. And if you ever noticed those little horse logos they have on each of the engines, I, I want to yeah. see more of that. I would love to see more of that, or like a special livery where you know you, the front of the plane is just a giant horse logo. Air France had a retro livery on an A320 that I once saw at De Gaulle, but that was recently moved out to the Mojave and chopped to little bits, unfortunately. Well, then maybe it is time for another another retro livery. Yeah, that would that be That would good. be nice. Yeah, they could be like JetBlue and maybe just make one up. Well, Air France kind of has the history to, to do a retro livery, although I guess you could just make one up. It certainly didn't stop JetBlue. I don't think that's a bad thing, but Air France no. certainly has a lot of heritage to pick from. Yeah, that, that's true. I'm a big fan of the retro liveries in general. I think that the retro liveries on, on modern aircraft is, is something that is highly underrated. Yeah, I wish Delta would get in on that game, but there's a lot out here in the US too. Delta and, and United, I think, would be to- United has a couple. They've got the Friendship A320, the Continental Retrojet, so they have a few. But I would just love to see the, the Saul Bass Tulip on a 7-8. Yeah, I think a lot of United I, frequent flyers would like to see that back. I would really love to see that. I don't know if we'll ever see it, but I would love to see it. Keep your fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll write in. Maybe if we can get enough write-in votes- 
Yeah. Tell us what airlines you think need a new livery. Tweet us, email us. Maybe we'll talk about it next show. Yeah. Tweet us at FlightRadar24. Comment on Facebook, FlightRadar24, or send us an email, podcast at fr 24 and we'll talk about who else needs a new livery or who could use maybe not a new livery, but a bit of an update. Or what your special liveries are. Tell us anything you want. As we wind down, let's move some move through some quick news this week with the A321 Neo got joint ESA and FAA certification for which engines was it? Hmm. You've stumped me. I put you on the spot. I think it was the Pratt engines? It was the CFM engines. Ah, okay. So they've got the joint certification now, so they're they're rocking and rolling on that. And then the Max 9 rollout is this week. So kind of the the Boeing's competitor to the A321 NEO, the 737 MAX 9, rolls out for the first time at some point next week. Some point this week. Yeah, so the, the second week of March at some point. And so we're we're waiting to see to see how that one looks. I still think that it's really a toss-up for me between the MAX, the 737 MAX, and the A350, the, the winglet design, which is better. Yeah. I wouldn't say no to having either one. I mean, honestly, I can't get all that excited about the 320 Neo family or the 73 Max family because it's just really slight modifications to an existing aircraft family. I mean, there's a bit more nuance to the Max 9. You have those fancy split winglets, much bigger engines, but it just doesn't do it for me. No, I'm I'm with you on as far as the whole plane goes, but I'm I'm just talking winglets. Yeah. Oh, those. Yeah, I had a chance to be. Very up close and personal with the new 7.3 Max winglets at the Renton factory in December of last year. And I could almost reach out and touch them. And you kind of forget how big these things really are when you're up close to them. And they they are massive, but they are definitely funky looking. Yeah, the the split scimitars that are on existing aircraft now, when those first came out, it was strange to see. You couldn't quite figure out what it was all about. And they're also very sharp. I almost impaled myself on one. Oh, you shouldn't at, do that. At a, at a Southwest event. So luckily someone pulled me. I was backing up to take a picture and someone grabbed me to make sure that I didn't. Man, that would be a fascinating incident report. Yeah, yeah. On all accounts, it was a, would have been a bad thing. I'm glad it didn't happen. Yeah, meanwhile, Airbus is still just kind of barely getting the sharklet thing going. Uh, winglets on the A320 family are relatively new. Yeah. And so they they still have the... The initial ones, the A350 ones have that that curl to them that it just makes them look special, I guess. Yeah, those are pretty. Yeah, to the point where Asiana has even incorporated the A350 winglet kind of swoop into their overall logo for the 350 on their, their website. So they're fully embracing the winglet. I think it's one of those distinctive design pieces that, that everybody everybody kind of loves. Yeah. I haven't talked to anybody who doesn't like the A350 winglet. Aircraft just these days, they look weird without winglets. Copa, for some reason, they still take their 737s, the NGs from the factory, without winglets attached because they they themselves attach the split scimitar winglets. But out of the factory, you see these random 7.3s without any winglets at all. And it's just bizarre looking because you, you don't see it anymore. I think Southwest does that too, don't they? These days, I think they're taking split scimitar direct from the factory. Okay. But I know Copa, for, for a while they were they were taking yeah. them without winglets and then having them fitted afterwards. You get so used to something, seeing it without the winglets, just it doesn't look right. Yeah, that's it, one of those things where like the eye black on the A350 
that kind of raked wingtip on the on the triple seven three hundred yet that becomes those distinctive design pe- where the, if you see them they just don't look right like a seven triple seven two hundred with that kind of stubbed wing it just doesn't look right anymore. Yeah, on Twitter, someone posted a picture a couple of days ago of the A350 photoshopped with the eye black out, and it just looked weird. I did not like it. <laughs> I did not see that. I'll try and find it so we can we can throw it into the show notes. But that was, yeah, it, it seemed almost almost naked. I think it was side by side with a panda and saying you wouldn't remove the black from a panda's eyes. So why would you do it to an A350? I mean that that seems like a reasonable question to ask. Totally logical. Maybe we can spend an entire podcast on it next time. No, I don't think we'll do mm, No, you might lose listeners pretty quickly. But we do want to know what you want us to spend time on. What do you want to know about Flight Radar 24? What do you want to know about aviation? Jason's experience is with passenger experience. I'm not sure if anyone in the world knows more about Wi-Fi on aircraft than Jason does. Not. So hopefully we can work that in somehow. But we want to know what you want to hear about what you want to talk about, and who you want to hear from. If there's you know, some specific things that you want to find that we can bring a guest on and have them talk about, we're happy to do that too. Let us know at podcast at fr24.com or let us know on Twitter at FlightRadar24 or let us know on Facebook, FlightRadar24. We want to hear from you. This Please. has been a fun first... Go ahead. Please let us know what we're doing right and what we're <laughs> doing wrong because we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, what we want to do is have a conversation every couple of weeks about what's happened in aviation around the world and just talk and learn and listen in a quick format. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but we want to have you know something to talk about for our listeners. So let us know what you want to hear about. And as we wrap up our first show, are you having fun yet? Oh, tons of fun here. Excellent. That was very convincing. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, yep. hopefully, hopefully next time it'll be even more convincing. No, so, this, this is definitely a lot of fun. I get to talk aviation and other exactly. random we're, related we're, things. What could be better? We're two about geeks that? who get to talk about planes. You can't beat that. What could be better? So we're going to go talk about planes some more for the next couple of weeks, and we'll be back with a new show in a few weeks. Thanks for listening, and let us know. You know, this is show number one, and we want to keep doing this, and we want to make it worth your while to listen. So let us know at podcast at fr24.com what you want to hear about. Jason? Thanks for a great first show, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. Thanks for having us, and well, see you in a couple weeks. Bye.